0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today I want to share with you a sermon called What If? What If? Would you look at somebody next to you and just say those two words? Say, What If? What If? Upon the death of Pope John Paul II, Rogers Cadenhead, who is a self-described domain hoarder, registered www.benedictxvi.com even before the new Pope's name was announced. This goes to show you that the right domain name can be very lucrative for you because there was another domain name that someone registered Pope Benedict, XVI.com, which secured $16,000 on eBay just for having and owning that domain name. Rogers Cadenhead, however, he didn't want money. To everyone's surprise, he didn't want money. He's a Catholic himself, and he was happy for the church to own the name. And here's the statement that he gave. He said, I'm going to try and avoid angering 1.1 billion Catholics and my grandmother. But he did want something in return. Three things that he wanted in return. The first thing that he wanted is he said, I want one of those hats that the Pope wears. The second thing that he wanted was a free stay at the Vatican Hotel. And the third thing that he wanted was complete absolution, no questions asked for the third week of March 1987. (laughs) It makes you wonder, doesn't it? It makes you wonder what happened in Roger's life on that week. I mean, what was it that was so bad that that he didn't want to talk about it and he had been waiting and, and holding a domain name just so he could get complete absolution on that day. Obviously, Roger's Cadenhead had some regrets in his life. And if you've lived a day in your life, then I promise you, you have regrets. There is not anybody in this room that does not have some form of regret in your life. We all do, everybody has it. And I look back on pictures of me in the 80s and I have regrets displayed in two words, the mullet. A lot of us in the room, children of the 80s, we have regrets and the mullet. Are you seriously taking pictures of that? Both of you guys? It's a, you know, (laughs) my mom is here and she said, I have a bunch of them. I figure with it being senior honor date in our second service, I might as well pull out my old yearbook pic. Kelly, you can get that off the screen anytime you want to. Thank you. I'm not the only one in the room that has regrets. Some of you have regrets from the early 2000s because it's called a tramp stamp and you thought it was going to be sexy, didn't you? Yeah. Josh, we told you it wasn't going to be sexy, but you ain't got it anyway, didn't you? These simple regrets are not necessarily life changing. But some regrets have the ability to alter your life, and we call them what-ifs. What if? What if life would have went a different direction? We all have what-ifs in our lives. What if I would have not quit school? Maybe that's a question that you ask. What if we could not have moved here? What if I would have picked better friends. What if I would have applied for that job? What if I would have invested in that particular stock? What if I had not married him or what if I would have married her? What if we would have never or, or what if we would have went to marriage counseling? Could I have saved that marriage? What if I uh, had had spent more time with the family? What if I had spent spent less time at work. You know, all of these what ifs, they, they flood our lives daily because life is, is a series of forks in the road. You know, for those of you that think that you just get to one fork in the road in life and that's the only decision you have to make, you're sadly mistaken because life is a series of forks in the road, a series of decisions. The choices on which direction we go, those are up to us. And when making those decisions, we often forget that the consequences of those choices also belong to us. That you just don't make a decision and it just goes away. Good or bad, the consequences of those decisions belong to you. Galatians 6 and 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That every decision that you make in life, it is seed. And the choices that you make will eventually produce a harvest in your life. The problem with regret is that you never see it coming. At the moment that you make that decision, you don't make that decision thinking, I'm going to regret this later on. Very few decisions are made like that. And we never see the regret coming. You are just cruising through life. Things seem really good at the moment. And then all of a sudden, your mistake or your mistakes, they catch up with you all of a sudden. And you never saw it coming. It's a condition that's called myopia. Myopia. Some of you in the room, you have myopia. You have the physical version of myopia. It's also known as nearsightedness. Myopia, it it causes the objects in the distance to be out of focus, but you can see things up close. People who suffer from myopia can see up close, but it's the things in the distance that become blurry to them. I submit to you, church, that myopia is not just a physical problem. I believe that a person can be mentally and spiritually myopic. That they can see things clearly up close, but they cannot see things off in the distance. And if we are not careful, we will make decisions based on the here and now without considering how it's going to affect the then and there. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you made decisions in the here and now not thinking about how it was going to affect the then and there. And now you're in the then and there and you're wondering how did I get here and you've got all this regret in your life. Some of the greatest regrets are decisions based on where you are now, not considering where you will be later. And making decisions rapidly based on circumstances that, that you are dealing with in the moment can create chaos long-term that is worse than the problem that you are dealing with in the first place. We've all been there. We've all encountered this. We've all had to make a decision when we didn't want to make that decision. And some of the worst decisions that people make in life are long-term solutions for short-term problems. And they always lead to regret. I want you to turn with me me to Genesis chapter 16. We find one of these what-ifs in the 16th chapter of Genesis. It's a very familiar passage of scripture if you were raised in church no doubt you have studied the life of Abraham and Sarah today I'm going to be reading from a few passages of scripture in and around this chapter so if you will just leave your Bible open to this area of your Bible and I'll I'll get there in a few moments in Genesis chapter 16 I want to start by reading the first five verses because this is where the what-if moment was created Genesis 16, verses 1 through 5. Now Sarai, which is also Sarah, and Abram, Abram's wife, but Abram is also Abraham. So as we start reading through this, just realize that Sarai is Sarah and Abram is Abraham. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, "May uh, May the wrong done to me be on you, I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Just leave your Bible open there for a few moments. Hagar eventually gives birth to a son that would be named Ishmael. I don't have time this morning. Some of you have heard me mention this before, and I've taught on it in depth, but problems that we face in the middle east today are a result of this what if moment right here in scripture life on this planet would look so much different if this what if moment would not have been created because the descendants of ishmael would become the very ones that would despise the descendants of isaac which was the promised one that had not come yet Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. And and you see, that's the whole problem because Ishmael was not the promise that God gave to Abraham earlier. The lesson for us to learn in this whole thing, church, is that when, when you don't think that God is moving, then simply don't move by yourself. Because if God is not moving, he's not moving for a reason, and you need to learn to be patient and to wait on God. God does not need your help to bless your life. And so many of us, we take it upon ourselves. We think, well, if I'm going to have this in life or if I'm going to be happy in life, then I've got to create my own circumstances. And the problem when you do that is you're taking it out of God's hands and you're trying to be God over your life. And that's how we create these regretful moments. That's how we create the what-ifs that that appear in our lives. But remember, you don't see regret at the time that that, that you're making the decision. You see regret later on when it catches up with you. We get ourselves in trouble when we try and bless our own lives. And in life... Shortcuts will never get you there faster. I know growing up, I remember being on some family trips, and and my dad, he was the king of shortcuts. Dad's shortcuts never got us there any faster. Never. It became an ongoing joke in our family that if dad said, "Well, well, I think I know a faster way, let me take this road, we would all just roll our eyes because we knew it was not going to be a shortcut. Quit pointing at your husband's wives. Stop. Stop. You know what I'm talking about though. You've you've been there. I can assure you that in life shortcuts never get you there faster. (laughs) Women, I want to remind you of, of something that we overlook in this particular Bible story. It wasn't Abraham's decision. It was Sarah's decision. To have her servant come in and lay with her husband. We read this story sometimes and some of us men in the room especially, we're like, man, that's not a bad deal, you know. I know, I know there's no women in this room that would make that kind of decision. You're like, no, that's off limits in my home. I, I, I'm never going, I mean, who, who is going to bring another woman into their house for a drive-by shooting, right? I mean, we're not letting that happen. It's not, it's, not gonna, it's, it's not part of the plan. But women, listen to me. Listen close to me. We've made these decisions. We didn't invite another woman into the, to the bedroom. Men, we've made some of these decisions before where we didn't stand up and be the head of the household. And we've made some of these decisions that eventually lead to regret. Well, we may not have allowed someone else to come in on that marriage but we have made life altering decisions that lead to regret. That's what they're dealing with. God had given them a promise, but they decided to take it into their own hands and, 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 and to try and make this miracle themselves. But God doesn't need our help when it comes to these miracles. And so we go over to, to Genesis chapter 17 where God reminds Abraham of the promise in verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations, kings of people. Peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, listen, this is very important right here because I'll get to this in just a few moments. Listen to what God says. As for Ishmael, verse 20, I have heard you, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Just leave your Bible open. How many of you are thankful today that in spite of your what ifs, that God still blesses life anyway? You see, God said, I'm going to give you this son, you and Sarah, you and your wife, you will have this promise. I I guarantee you this is going to happen. But even after the what if moment, even after the regretful decision, God still blesses them in spite of, of their stupid hearts and their dumb heads. And I am so thankful sometimes that God still blesses me in spite of my stupid heart and my dumb head. That God still looks at Rocky's life and says, yeah, you screwed that one up. But listen, I'm still going to bless you anyway. But you still got to deal with this problem. Because the problem is still there because of the decision that you made. Now listen to me. I, I, I'm going to talk to somebody. and I, I know I'm running out of time because I've still got a ways to go. But, but listen to me. Don't blame your problem because your daddy left you when you were a young age. Don't blame your problem, your decision, your what-if moment. Don't blame it on your first marriage. Don't blame your what-if moment on the devil. Because we're giving the devil way too much credit sometimes because he's kicked back on vacation relaxing and we're making dumb decisions all by ourselves. We walk around rebuking the devil and everything else, and the devil's saying, I have nothing to do with it, but thank you for doing my job for me. Life is full of decisions, forks in the road, and you have a decision to make. And when you choose to trust in God, even though that way, that path is straight and it is narrow, and it doesn't look like it's going to be promising, when you follow that path, you will always live life without regret. We, at some point in time, we have to look at our lives and say, the blame is on me. I am living with my own regret. And I want you to think about that household because it it wasn't the homes that we live in now. I don't care if if your home is 800 square feet or 8,000 square feet. It was not anywhere near in comparison to those, those homes. No, they're living in, in some form of a tent and you've got two women and two children that you fathered under the same roof, under the same tent. Can you imagine what life looks like in that moment? I have one wife, two kids by the same wife and I don't want to live in a tent with them. <laughs> I was talking to somebody yesterday about, about camping. I know some of you like to camp. I have no desire to camp at all, period, none. My idea of camping is going and finding a great hotel somewhere that gets me out of the house. And that's, I need air conditioner. I don't mind working outside. I don't mind playing sports outside. I don't mind getting sweaty. But when it's time to lay my head down on a pillow at night, I want it to be nice and cool, and that's what I want. That's how I enjoy life. And you can't judge me because I don't like to camp like you do, but I don't want to live in a tent with two women and two children. so we pick it up, Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. It's a day of celebration. But I can promise you that every day was not a good day in that tent. This area of contention had been growing. It had been building. The animosity was growing every day. And they're supposed to be celebrating the life of Isaac and celebrating that this baby is getting older and he's growing up. And in the middle of all that, Sarah looks across the tent and she sees the son of that other woman. She sees Ishmael and he is over there laughing, mocking What do you do when the promise and the problem coexist at the same time? Because that's usually the way it works in life. Because we always have a way of getting ahead of God, don't we? And God's always going to come through. He's, always, he's not a man that he should lie, is what the Bible says. And so he's always going to give you the promise that he promised you. But, but, but what we find ourselves in, in those what if moments, is what if life, well, what would life have looked like if I didn't make that decision that now complicates this promise that God had given, has given me? And so, what do you do when you find the promise and the problem sitting under the same roof? When Mandy and I were dating, we were not yet engaged and um, I was I was at a lock in at our church and I was playing basketball and, and Mandy was sitting over talking with some other girls and stuff and and we were both getting to that age, we were out of high school now, you know, young adults, and, and uh, we were getting to that age where you start looking down the road at life and what it's gonna look like and who you're gonna be with, things like that. And Mandy and I had been dating for, for a few months, and, and uh, all of a sudden, my ex-girlfriend really starts showing me some attention. She never, when we dated, she never liked to watch me play basketball, but now all of a sudden she's sitting on the sideline watching me play basketball watching me play these pickup games of ball and i see her over there and and she's making eyes at me you know and i mean you, you know i mean you look at me you it's not hard i mean and so and so she's looking at me you know and and every every time i go by her she'd say something and then the lock-in ended the next morning and and i remember we all went to to uh Shoney's. remember Shoney's? we all went to shawnee's because they had the uh the breakfast bar and uh So we all go into Shawnee's, and I remember I was at the bar, and she came by me, and she brushed up against me. And little did I know that Mandy was over in the corner watching everything that had been going on. (laughs) Mandy said, this isn't for me. And in a series of conversations, Mandy checked out. She was done. She was moving on. And this girl starts calling me at work every day. And she would call me and she would start, start talking about, you know, what if? What if we were to get back together? And then, then eventually after about a week of these conversations, she started talking about Mandy. And, you know, she's not the one for you. Think about it. Think about this and think about that. And she starts putting Mandy down. And, and after about a week of it, I finally came to my senses and I realized this is not what I want for my life. I have the promise and the problem in the same room and somebody's got to deal with it. Finally, I got up the courage, and as flattering as it was, men, listen to me. They have a way of flattering you. Your wife's got you. I know she doesn't always say kind things that flatter you anymore, but get past you and your ego because you don't need somebody always stroking your ego. You know that, right? And so, finally, I got up the courage, and I told this girl on the phone, I said, listen to me. Mandy's never said bad word about you. She's never put you down and this needs to be our last conversation because this isn't heading anywhere I wanted to go. Put an end to it. It was done. That's the last time I've really ever had a conversation with her. Took us a few weeks but Mandy finally came to her senses and (laughs) you can only stay away from this for so long, you know. You will never fix your regret until you quit worrying about your image, until you stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking and you start worrying about what God thinks. Because the way God sees me is so much more important than the way that you see me. You understand that, right? I mean, I, I, I appreciate if, if you hold me in high esteem. And I, I appreciate it if you give me some compliments and stuff. But, but church, I need to be very honest with you. I have made decisions as a pastor sometimes that have not made me popular. But, but I will be very honest with you. I need God to look at me before I need you to look at me. And in life, we need to quit worrying about our image and make some decisions about some of these regrets. Let me ask you this Do you want to look great or do you really want to be great? Do you want to look like you've got it all together or do you want to really have it all together? Do you want to look happy to everybody else or do you really want to be happy? Do you want your life fixed? Or do you you just want it to look fixed in front of everybody else? Because there is a big difference between the two. And the only way that you will ever change a bad decision is to change your decision. Because the problem eventually has to be dealt with. I want you to look at verses 10 and 11. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. You know why it was displeasing to him? He didn't bring the problem into the house, but now he's got to be man of the house and deal with it. Sometimes it's the way it works, man. Sometimes it's just the way it goes. Sometimes that's the cards that were dealt, but be man enough to deal with it when the time comes. Now, now I know what some of you in the room are thinking right now because we read these these Old Testament stories like this and we think, man, that is so harsh. Why would God be okay with Abraham putting a single woman and her child out on the street? You know, giving them a, a, a bottle of water and some bread and saying hit the road, you know, and why, why would God be okay with that? What you're forgetting is God already said I'll take care of them and you trying to be God is what got you in this situation in the first place. Why can't you step back and just trust that God's going to take care of that mom and take care of that child And, and you've got to make some decisions to deal with some of these regrets in your life decisions created the problem decisions are the only thing that will help you eradicate the problem that means you may have to go to a treatment center for a season to get some help It's a decision that has to be made because you made decisions long ago that you never thought would catch up with you, but now they're catching up with you. So go check yourself into a treatment center. That means you may have to call your ex and ask for forgiveness. It means that you may have to go to counseling. It means that you may have to call your baby's daddy and have a sensible conversation without fussing all the time because it's what's better for the kids. It means you may have to find another job because the job that you're on is not healthy and it's not good for you. It means that you might have to sell that car that you can't afford. Decisions got you into this mess and decisions are the only things that will get you out of this mess. All the what-ifs that we have in life have to be dealt with on a decision-by-decision basis. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. I went to the Greek lexicon and looked up that, that Greek word for repentance. It means a change of mind, a change of heart. And when you have a change of mind and a change of heart, that means you're going to make some different decisions to help eradicate what's going on. Two words that have the potential to haunt you for the rest of your life What if? What if? Right out of high school, I registered to go to Lake City Community College at the time, living in Lake City. And against my mom and dad's wishes, I never showed up. Instead, a week after I graduated, I hit the road with a band traveling the southeastern United States. When we were home, I was working little odds and end jobs, mowing yards, things like that. But then we would be gone for a few weeks at a time playing Christian music, but I was the drummer. For two and a half years, I followed that dream. You know what that means, right? That means... It puts you two and a half years behind in the educational process what should have taken me just a year and a half took me about four to five years to become an ordained bishop I remember laying there one night in a Silver Eagle bus touring traveling and I'm laying in my bunk one night when God speaks to me and I was only about 18 and a half years old and God speaks to me and says this is not what I have for your life now you've got to make some hard decisions to get back on track create what-if moments what-if problems for yourself it's always going to cause heartache it's always going to be painful see some of these conversations or decisions that I'm telling you you have to make whether it's checking yourself into rehab or or having a conversation with your ex-wife whatever it is I, I promise you it's not going to be easy and it is going to be painful because that's what happens when we have moments of regret They're never easy to eradicate. And it caused me to have to have some very open and honest decisions that people didn't like. Particularly people that were in the band with me. To them it felt like I was walking out on a dream. But for me, it was fixing the what-if moment that I created one week after high school. It's not easy. Took me through some of the darkest moments and even to this day, 20 plus years later, there's still relationships that I know are severed because of that. But I got to a place where I realized I have to please God more than I have to please man. There's people here today that you're going through life and you're saying, what if? What if this was different? What if I would have done this? What if they wouldn't have done that? What if I would have made this decision or not made that one? And you're going through life full of regret God's telling you right now, deal with it. Those decisions created it. You have to make decisions to get out of it. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you've been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352 472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church for Life's Journey.